Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bueri, and as always, I'm with the granddaughter of a Southern California water engineer, Dr. Lucy Jones. Thanks to all the listeners who stepped up to sponsor this podcast. You can too by joining as a sponsor of the nonprofit Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Please go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now, let's get to it. One of the big messages about getting ready for an earthquake is to store more water. I think the latest message I heard was store at least a gallon of water per person per day for at least seven days. That's a lot of water if you've got a family of four. We all know that humans need water to live, but this might seem like overkill to people. We have grown dependent on water bottles, so even if the water is out, people might think they'd be okay. Lucy, why is it really important to continue to store water in anticipation for an earthquake? Well, you know, one of the weakest parts of our infrastructure system are water pipes. They get installed before almost anything else. Before you build a house, you put the water pipes in the ground. So we have plenty of water pipes in Southern California that are more than 100 years old. And for decades, the most common type of pipe has been a type of concrete called AC pipes, and they are incredibly brittle. So even small earthquakes, you know, we've seen magnitude 5.2 causing 15 water breaks that had to be fixed. When you get to bigger earthquakes, which affect a larger area, the number of broken pipes becomes huge. Why do we see pipes break at this level, even for smaller earthquakes? If I recall correctly, with most earthquakes, aren't the pipe systems just moving with those ground motions that don't seem that strong, like for the 5.2 you mentioned? Well, okay, now we're going to get a little bit more complicated. Yes, the pipes are carried with the ground, but the ground isn't just moving in one direction. It's a wave. And that means there's a peak and a trough. So sometimes it goes up and sometimes down, sometimes east, sometimes west. If something is small compared to the distance between the peak and the trough, which we call the wavelength, it will essentially just be carried by the wave, like a little boat on the ocean. The waves go up and down and the boat just bounces along with it. But think how different it is if you have a really big ship and the front of the ship is now in the peak and the back is in the trough and you get tossed around a lot more. So the pipes are longer than the wavelengths of much of the earthquake shaking. There's some really long wavelength stuff, but there's also that sharp, jolty motion that gets you scared. One part of the pipe is now going up when another part is going down and it twists the part that's in between. You know, when you lay pipe, you assume the ground is there and will support the pipe. So you don't need to make that pipe really strong in between. The ground's holding it up. You don't need to worry that the pipe will twist. But when there's an earthquake and the ground itself moves and carries the pipe with it, it's now twisting it back and forth. The pipes aren't made to handle that. And especially the brittle ones like AC pipe just crack. So the water is not going to come into our homes or businesses after the earthquake? Probably not, depending exactly where you are. And even if you do have water, you got to remember that when water pipes are breaking, so are sewer pipes. And we are going to be having a lot of contamination of the water that actually does make it through. So there's no way you're drinking any of it. And for a lot of us, there won't be any water at all, which means you can't flush your toilet, which means you can't take a shower. A lot of the basics of life. How long are you going to be willing to stay in your house when you can't get a shower? It's going to really disrupt us. 
So let's carry that a bit further. What will it look like in the big earthquake here in Southern California with regard to water? We tried to model this for the San Andreas Fault. Now you have a fault that's hundreds of miles long and you have millions of households getting disrupted water supply. So right away, all of us probably are either not gonna have any water or have water that can't be drunk at the minimum. We now need to fix it. When we modeled this with the ShakeOut, we actually brought a bunch of water people together from various water agencies and sat them down and said, here's the pattern of ground motions. What are we dealing with? And we sort of talked it through. What was the chance of breaking pipes in the different areas? And at one point in the discussion, one of the guys finally looked up and said, but wait a minute, how much pipe is even made in the U.S. each year? Aren't we going to be competing with each other just for that product? And everybody went really quiet and sort of looked at each other. And by the time we got done, we estimated it was going to take six months to get water back into all the houses of Southern California. So there's an immediate problem that you need something to drink in those first few days. There's a longer term problem about reopening businesses when you can't get water back into people's houses or shops. So this is an issue more than just fixing your own pipes at your own house or your own business. In order to be resilient, we have to do more as a community and as a society what should we be working on to strengthen our water supply, Lucy, so that we don't have to go three days and then then what? So there's two big picture issues that water companies writ large could and should be dealing with. One of them is these pipes in the ground, of getting the water into your house. And I say they're mostly brittle. They don't have to be. Actually, recently, engineers have developed these really cool new pipes with essentially flexible joints so that as they twist around, they don't get cracked. Those pipes cost a bit more, not a lot more than regular pipes at this point because scale, people are starting to look at them. And a commitment like the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power has made that as they replace pipes, they're replacing them with earthquake resilient pipes. That's a really important step that could be gotten to. The second one, especially in places like California, where we move water long distances to get it to us, that transportation system is also vulnerable. All of the water brought into Southern California from the Sierras or the Colorado River has to cross the San Andreas Fault to get to us. And those fault crossings are very vulnerable. You can't just make them stronger. They're literally gonna be offset by the earthquake. And we need to look at how to strengthen those crossings as well. So what should our listeners do knowing that they can't get their pipes fixed in those moments that the water won't be flowing? This is why the message is store more water. We can talk about amounts, but I basically say whatever you have, get some more. It's probably not enough. It's important to think about what are all your possible water supplies, not just what's coming out of the tap at this moment. Your water heater is there. Can you put in a drum? If you put in drum to store water, make sure you update it on a regular basis. It goes bad after like six months. Make sure your water heater strapped to the wall so that is a supply that's still there. If you have a swimming pool, maybe you're not going to be drinking that, but it can be something that you're bathing or using to flush your toilet. So think about all your supplies and also plan for your work because you may very well be at work when it's going to happen. You may need to go to work. Are you going to be able to function there? So it really is about planning ahead and storing extra water in any way you can. Listening to this, it's pretty clear that water is essential to survive. And we've maybe relied too heavily on the system that we believe will be there 
always. And after a large earthquake, that's probably not going to be the case. And even if your pipes are broken alongside your sewer pipes, you might think that government or some other agency will provide you water. But how long can you wait for rationed water? All right. I mean, FEMA has major plans for how to distribute water. But when I was in Christchurch, New Zealand, after their earthquake in 2011, one of the stories that I heard is people whose houses were fine or away from the strongest shaking, they still lost their water supply, like we're talking about. And they were spending two hours every day to pick up enough water for their family to function. And they did that for week after week after week. I don't think any of us want to be there, but right now the earthquake happens. That's where we will be. So this is one of the most important things we can do to ensure that we get through it in the aftermath of the next earthquake, have water stored and better than that, make the investment as a community in our water system. So it's more functional after the big earthquake. Until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. Mm -hmm.